This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money. Reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. From HR, finance, and procurement forms to student-facing forms like IEPs and device consent forms, paperless workflows powered by Adobe Sign create digital experiences in schools that make life a little easier for the entire campus community. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in EdTech. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On today's show, we have some content highlights posted to eSchool in the past few days with news about the latest in E-rate topping the feeds for this week. The 2021 E-rate trends report from the E-rate compliance services firm Funds for Learning arrived as school systems work through COVID-related impacts, including the homework gap and on and off-campus broadband needs. Three big takeaways from the report. Number one, E-rate remains a vital program for schools and libraries to achieve connectivity. There are a record number of sites served in 2021, over 130,000. 97% of the respondents agreed that more students or library patrons are connected because of the E-rate program. 95% agree that E-rate funding is also vital to that internet connectivity. Number two takeaway, network security the number one critical issue deserving of E-rate support. 67% say network security is a serious and urgent concern. 97% of applicants agree that network security should qualify for E-rate support. And finally, applicants see the E-rate program's administration in a positive light. Only 9% are dissatisfied with the USAC, the Universal Service Administrative Company, uh, which is the program administrator. Since 2006, the overall satisfaction with program administration has steadily increased. And that's really actually some good news to hear that the program is so universally liked because it's not going to be easy for schools going forward to continue to get these funds and and to put these things together. So having the E-rate as a a base program is certainly a a positive. If you head over to the resources section of the eschoolnews.com, there is a new ebook entitled Leveraging E-Rate to Transform Learning. This guide offers a roadmap to help K-12 leaders successfully leverage federal E-Rate discounts to expand digital learning opportunities for their students. It also provides an overview of the program, insights on the application process, and strategies to help districts secure the discounts they're entitled to. So be sure to go over and check that out. Now, thanks to E-Rate funding, plus the other promised monies coming through the Recovery Act, This should be an unprecedented opportunity for districts to automate and improve their IT infrastructure over the next few years. Although amongst the myriad disruptions to school district operations last year, the ability to properly manage traditionally paper-based processes uh, was taken away. The only solution, automate. And most schools have discovered they are better off because of it. Replacing old paper trails with codified digital workflows complete with these signatures not only better protects the data on those forms, but better ensures the validity of the transaction themselves. It seems to me that in the conversations I've had that this push to automate because they had to 
has now become a situation where districts, even the most maybe kind of reserved or uh, old-fashioned districts in the past, now want to. They find the benefits to far outweigh any of the cons of the, maybe the complications of implementation or the costs. So I was recently able to host a conversation in one of four webinars hosted by Adobe Sign that spoke about the importance of security when it came to the use of e-signatures. In this snippet, Paul San Francisco, he's the Director of Technology for ONJ Roberts School District in Pennsylvania, and Dan Armstrong, Solutions Consultant for Adobe Systems, dug into some of the particulars, uh, some of the challenges, and then ultimately some of the solutions. Have a listen. I keep hearing IEP and special ed. And as I think about the conversations I have, those seem to be probably some of the more forms intensive departments or aspects of a district. Uh, would you recommend those to be the, the, the first as a starting point or a pilot project, or maybe start with something maybe a little bit less daunting and then, then move on to that? Well, because we keep bringing that up, it's cost compliance. I mean, that those had to get signed. I mean, there's legal ramifications for oh, not yeah. having those things. So when the pandemic hit, they're the, that's high. That's high on the level. That, but unfortunately, it had to happen because they don't sign the IEP. They don't do that. Districts get sued. You know, we didn't do this. So that's why you always hear the special ed piece because, but then the security, that, then that whole thing ties together because that was, that was a non-negotiable. You know, mm. everything else, math, math is right bring up the permissions, let's bring up that stuff. But when you get to the special ed area, we were all in a jam because you needed signatures. You need, there was no negotiations on that. So you, you kind of had to, and now you're saying, all right, we're doing this. Why aren't we doing everything else? And then mm. that's where the Hemet and Holland comes in. Well, that's special ed, you have to. Well, why can't we? And where's it going? How are we keeping it secure? I'm sure Dan, you've dealt with that. Yeah, 24-7. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's how almost all of our conversations started. Uh, I'd say probably 80% of the customers I worked with in the last two years was, you know, the folks at the top of the district saying, we have to solve this IEP process. And so the way we're set up, they just, you know, bought what they needed for that one thing. And then after we were successful there, then they said, well, you know, could we use it to do this next thing? And so we always had sort of this three-part call process where the first one was, do they even trust us? And do they even want to do this? The second one, we had the special ed team on the call trying to solve their particular problem. And then, hey, somebody just talked to me and they liked what I did. How do I do this? And so that's when we sat down with the leaders of the district to say, okay, we got it working. Now you need to talk internally and come up with a vision and a plan like what's the next step and where's the next thing going um, so that it was led sort of at the district versus like, you know, everybody just sort of picking and choosing what they want to do. And so the people that were successful were the ones that managed, like you said, to get it organized at the top and say, this is the direction we're going. We're not going to try to do five different things. We're going to do this. And they just tackled it one workflow at a time. So as I mentioned, be sure to check out all four of those episodes up in the webinar tab on eschoolnews.com. I think you'll get a lot out of them. Now, last but certainly not least for today's episode is a conversation I was able to have with Johan Zimmer. Uh, Johan is the global education marketing lead at Zoom, which is this little new fledgling video conferencing app you may have heard about. 
seriously, there is no other piece of software that has been used or mentioned more during this pandemic than Zoom, especially in education. I had the pleasure to pick Johan's brain about Zoom's journey through the past two years and what is on the horizon for the company and its role for the future of teaching and learning. Have a listen. Okay, well, Johan, thank you so much for joining us today on Innovations in Education. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. I appreciate it. We've known each other for several years, going back to the age which I call BP, before the pandemic, right? The various number of companies. It's a great pleasure for me to be able to speak to you uh, in your new role with Zoom within, right before we started recording. I really don't think that there is a piece of software or service that has more of an effect on, it sounds grandiose, but society, let alone education, than, than Zoom has in the past 20 months. In your new role, you must have a certain amount of uh, challenges uh, as well as accomplishments to, to work with the company. Talk a little bit about your new role there and where you see the state of play when it comes to Zoom, specifically in the K-12 space. Absolutely. Um, I'm going a little bit in more detail on where I came from. So my roles have stretched over Macromedia, Adobe, and most recently at Aruba, all with focus on the education uh, industry and helping schools and school districts implement technology successfully in order to improve student outcomes, which is really the goal of uh, of most of those entities. From Zoom's perspective, Zoom kind of was born in, in education. The company's 10 years old. We've been in the stock market for the last two years. And, and my role specifically is around helping the K-12 schools and school districts uh, leverage the technology, not just our Zoom meeting platform, but also our entire platform that consists of uh, many components. And we can talk a little bit more in detail later. Uh, but my role is to, to be sort of the global spokesperson and the strategic lead for the education market for Zoom. Now, uh, that comes with some great responsibilities, especially starting since March of, of 2020, when schools pretty much hung their hat on, on Zoom uh, to be that lifeline between students uh, who were all shunted out to their homes and, and began the remote. I know that, as you said, the company's been around for 10 years. Probably a global pandemic was not one of the uh, the aspects of the mission of the company to solve, but many innovations have come out of just these past 20, 20 months or so. Talk a little bit about some of the things that the folks at Zoom have discovered and implemented as a result of this kind of Absolutely. giant beta test, right? So I think what, what started in as early as February in Asia, China, and then Japan was a clear understanding that schools would need to uh, put in mitigation uh, for the pandemic and figure out what to do with schools. And as schools decided to close and send students home, it was an immediate question, what kind of devices would they use? What kind of access would they need? And then what kind of communication technology should the school be using in order to allow students and faculties to, to interact as well as the staff, obviously on the administrative side. And Zoom very early on decided that we wanted to take a big part in the education market. And we decided to give Zoom away literally for free by lifting the 40 minute limit, which was in place at that time and simply saying, hey, we know there's a great need. We need to react to this need. And Eric, yeah, our CEO immediately made the decision. This, this was too important to just leave uh, um, to any sales and marketing individuals, but make a decision at the company level to say, we want to support education. This is too important to, uh, to, to not support. 
And, and since then, we've supported over 100,000 schools in over 25 countries with allowing them to use the communication platform, platform at no charge. Yes. Uh, and that was sort of the initial response to the pandemic. Since then, we've been uh, working with schools around security. There was initially, there was a lot of questions around security uh, and any open online meeting is uh, becomes um, becomes a target uh, to attacks. Uh, and that's not uh, restricted to the Zoom platform. It's literally all uh, online communication platforms. And so there was a, a great need to improve on the security. Uh, Zoom decided to set aside all other priorities and focused on security for 90 days. And in that time, really uh, focused on that and, and fixed those problems. And schools like New York um, Department of Education, who initially said, oh, we don't want to use this, is not secure. They then uh, realized that Zoom had done their homework and, and, uh, and were able to adopt it, much like LA, Unis uh, LA Unified and, and many other of the large districts around the country. And we have a, a, you know, a wonderful uh, engaged audience that works with us on a regular basis. We have a K through 12 customer advisory council that we work with on a regular basis to give us feedback on what's needed in the education uh, uh, settings from a feature perspective for educators themselves, all the way back to the back end and what kind of administrative rights should be provided to, to administrators who have to administer and account for 40,000 students and 3,000 uh, faculty and staff members. Yeah, and it seems that uh, education has different needs than maybe a lot of other industries. Or when you talk about maybe even just kind of general communications, some some of the positives that I've heard about in, in conversations with school district leaders is that the idea of the back to school night, uh, you've seen the behaviors at some school boards in person this fall, School board meetings online have all improved, that the dynamic um, removes a lot of the like kind of the traditional power dynamics that you would have in in-person uh, special education, IEP, as well as mental health one-to-one -one meetings between counselors and, and, and students. Some of the things that are not so great, it seems that you really can't broadcast a traditional classroom out to 40 students, that there's still some issues involving uh, students, you know, it's preferable for them to be in person, right? Versus out, out remotely. Talk about some of those dynamics sure. uh, that have and been discovered. Th there's been a lot of changes. And I think you, you mentioned some great examples of administrative usage that we uh, see and, and talk to our, our customers about on a regular basis that will persist many years past this pandemic. And that is things have become easier through an online communication platform than they ever were before. My wife is a school administrator at the San Francisco Unified School District. She never used web conferencing tools prior to the pandemic. She can now no longer imagine not using Zoom because she has to do teacher onboarding events. Uh, for example, in the past, she would have had 100 people attending an evening program at the district office. That involves reserving parking, making sure the custodian is staying uh, past hour, electricity, you know, doors need to be open, security, all of those things fall away when you can do this online. And I think that's uh, student parent-teacher conferences, that school board meetings, uh, like you mentioned, and that's a lot of interaction that previously was done in person and now has become so much easier online. So that's, that's on the administrative side. And I think that there's no question that that will remain. It was just that 
K-12 education wasn't accustomed to using web conferencing tools and couldn't afford it years ago when prices of, a, of an online conference room was in 100,000 or more, and, and all of that has become so much more affordable. So that will stay in place. I think on the academic side and the question of what's feasible, what's not, uh, in the K-12 space, we, we see a lot of uh, interesting movements in, into deciding whether it's all online, all in person, or some kind of hybrid mix of the two. And the more you get into a hybrid mix, the more difficult the setup becomes for a, a, an individual faculty member. And I, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, let's say, a third grade teacher dealing with ten kids in class and ten kids at home. That becomes more difficult, and it needs to be supported by a lot of technology in order to make that happen successfully. And teacher training in order for faculty to have the right uh, pedagogy, the right class management tools to actually facilitate that. But we see uh, parents clamoring for the flexibility. They have come to smell the roses and say, oh, my kid actually was very introverted. You know, they blossomed during this pandemic because they were able to speak up during online conversations in a way that they weren't be able to, to do before physically disabled students who were having difficulties getting to class, uh, being you know, on time someplace, getting through an hour long commute in traffic jams, realize the benefits of online education. I don't believe that online will be a large portion of the academic piece going forward, but it will be a necessary piece of education as students and parents and, and administrators and faculty members will demand flexibility around uh, education. And I heard that, I think yesterday, some uh, states made the decision to close schools on Fridays um, just to, you know, mitigate some of this uh, uh, situation. And that will have to happen online, right? It's, it's like there needs to be an ability to react to snow days, to flooding, to uh, climate change events that will necessitate um, the district to be prepared for um, online and alternative instruction. Yeah. Let me keep you on the hot seat when it, uh, in terms of going forward, you know, as we look at the horizon of the next three to five years, hopefully we're returning to some semblance of normalcy. And as you mentioned, you said a lot of these technologies and techniques and behaviors will, will remain even when we go back to whatever that normal is. Maybe give our audience a little bit of a sneak peek of where the horizon is for Zoom maybe some other technologies that maybe become incorporated into the, into the platform. Talk a little bit about where you see this setup going in the future. Absolutely. Uh, Zoom is no longer just a, a meeting platform, is no longer just an online uh, emergency instruction vehicle. Uh, Zoom is becoming a comprehensive, what we call unified communications and collaborations platform. And as part of that platform, you have uh, everything from chat capabilities to integration with classrooms and administrative conference rooms, all the way to partnerships with third-party hardware vendors that uh, help with the hybrid work and the hybrid instruction going forward. And so uh, while Zoom Meeting, our flagship was developed initially, we're now building out an entire platform that deals with communication in its entirety. Uh, examples are, for instance, the ability for an individual to pick up a phone call on a VoIP phone in, a, in an office, transfer that to a private phone, take the private mobile phone into a conference room, transfer it then to a, a display screen in the room uh, and activate first voice and then video communication. That all is becoming seamless. 
uh, and similarly in the academic settings is figuring out ways to have Zoom meeting, for instance, not just be a personal experience, but be a location experience. So we have integrated with rooms where you can come into the room and the room becomes the host of the meeting and you can initiate a meeting that way. Or you can invite a room into a Google Calendar invite or an Outlook Calendar invite so that it becomes an integral part of your instructional or administrative uh, communication. Well, that's exciting. How about any sort of a augmented reality or virtual reality, or is that still something that's a little further out on the horizon? That's, that's probably a little bit further out. Uh, we're obviously looking into other experiences that tie into um, um, the, the meeting experience and, and the, the interaction in general. I think we're, we're still seeing AR and VR to be a niche play, and I think the majority of schools uh, will look at that when time comes. I think we're still in a phase where we need to deal with the immediate challenges of how do we get back to in-person instruction? How do we deal with students who can't be there? Uh, uh, what does the mandatory requirement look like from a district perspective to address special needs um, and, and dealing with students overall? There's also been a reduction in student enrollment. So how do we get kids to come back, those that went to private school or decided to be homeschooled? Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of different movements in, in different directions. We wanna make sure that we address the administrative and the academic needs of the district. Uh, uh, one large piece and a big focus for us going forward is the Zoom phone, uh, uh, our cloud telephony solution that will integrate the audio communication, the video communication, uh, and the Zoom meeting experience all into a single experience. Fantastic. Well, uh, as terrible of a time as it is, it's also a very exciting time. A lot of the uh, things that you're describing. I think if we have to have conversations about the pandemic, I come away with a, a positive feeling that uh, we actually may be able to come out of this uh, stronger than we were, especially in the in the K-12 space. So, Johan, thank you so much for your time and your insights. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. So that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. Remember, eSchool News is always free for educators and always trying to help educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. Be sure to tap into the four-part series, Back Office Innovations in K-12, on the webinar tab at eschoolnews.com, where we discuss how to build efficiencies and data security and compliance through forms process automation.